Welcome to another episode of Dan's Den Podcast. Today I'm sitting here with my lovely girlfriend, life partner, Brandy McGrath. What's up, kid? <laughs> hey. I know the last few times you've been around some of these podcasts as a, you know, a spectator kind of contributing from from the bleachers <laughs> from out the there. Sidelines. So we got some headsets for you now and right. you got your own mic. Well, so we were throwing around the idea. We're going to read a couple poems and I want to go over some some of my favorite lyrics from one of my favorite bands, Tool. Um, some of these are related to themes we've been discussing recently, especially with my aunt Robin about working with um, working through emotional and kind of behavioral stuff and talking to your younger self and dealing with those those traumas. So there's a song in particular that Tool does that speaks to some of that. I know you've looked at a couple poems that you said one that your grandfather used to read to you pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's cool that you know you have that connection. And so what do you have on deck here, man? Let's let's start off. So Okay. So this was this is just a very short poem and I don't know if anyone will, you know, enjoy it besides me, but this the idea of this poem is what kind of prompted me to ask Dan if we could do poetry reading. Poetry podcast. We need poetry podcast. We need some kind of alliteration. Well, yeah. But I thought it'd be just a cool way to even start off pod, other podcast episodes that maybe aren't even going to be about poetry or something, but just a cool little way to, I don't know, just share that intimacy. Because when you share something that you, that speaks to you, especially a writing of any kind, I feel like that's really powerful and it helps people see, uh, see into your soul a little bit and, you know, get to know you in a way that they wouldn't otherwise. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> Lyrics are super important to me, very powerful. It's something yeah. I've always been attracted to as we, as all we just it. discussed. Yeah. Like poetry and all that. There's something about the written word and how it, Mm. You know, time travels, essentially. You, can, you get to carry some of those feelings and emotions and then transfer them to other people. It's a beautiful thing. Hell yeah. So what's the name of this one? So this poem is Little Boy Blue. And it's not your classic nursery rhyme, Little Boy Blue. It's a poem by um, a man named Eugene Field. And my uh, grandfather, growing up, I spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house, and my grandfather had a book that was a collection of poems. And I actually think it belonged to my grandmother technically from her childhood, but whatever. It was in the bookcase in my grandparents' hallway growing up, and often I would curl up with my grandpa, my gampa, as I called him. I would curl up with my gampa on his uh, leather chair that he would sit on in the living room. And maybe sometimes I use this just as a tactic to not go to bed, but I would be like, oh, read me the poem. And my, I was the oldest grandchild and my grandpa and I shared a birthday. So we had a very special relationship. And so he would often read me a few different poems from this book. But the one that always stuck with me for some reason that I loved so much was Little Boy Blue. And um, I didn't really like understand anything about the poem as a child. It was just... My grandpa liked it, so I liked it. Um, But my grandpa always would get really choked up when he would read this, and he would be either crying or on the verge of tears, and I never really understood that. But that made me love it even more because, you know, to see him get emotional about something pretty much every single time. Um, So I, he passed away when I was 16, and I decided I wanted to read this at his funeral service because it was such a, an important part of our relationship. And um, 
it, I, it was really hard to get through it. It was, uh, I did a terrible job, terrible performance at the funeral. Okay, so that's the background. Well, at least you were willing to, to, to do that, you know, because yeah, that's not an easy thing to do, especially something that personal and, you know, the connection between you guys, but that's a good way to memorialize. Yeah. Yeah, and I forgot about the poem for, for a very long time. Until I think one day, a couple of years ago, I was telling you about it. And then I went and tried to find the book on my bookshelf. And eventually I did. So here we go. <laughs> it's all my personal background on Little Boy Blue. I know nothing about this uh, author. I've never looked up anything else that he wrote. But maybe I will. Okay. Little Boy Blue. The little toy dog is covered with dust, but sturdy and staunch he stands. And the little toy soldier is red with rust, and his musket molds in his hands. Time was when the little toy dog was new, and the soldier was passing fair. And that was the time when our little boy blue kissed them and put them there. Now don't you go till I come back, he said, and don't you make any noise. So toddling off to his trundle bed, he dreamed of the pretty toys. And as he was dreaming, an angel song awakens our little boy blue. Oh, the years are many, the years are long, but the little toy friends are true. Faithful to little boy blue they stand, each in the same old place, awaiting the touch of a little hand, the smile of a little face. And they wonder, as waiting these long years through, in the dust of that little chair, what has become of our little boy Blue since he kissed them and put them there. That's nice. When you were a kid, you didn't necessarily maybe get the connection or all that. Is there anything nowadays that maybe stands out or why you think, did your grandfather ever really explain to you, like, this is the connection? Like No, no. And... I wish that maybe I was more, I don't know, in, you know, aware of or just not more attentive because I was enamored with him when he would he would read this to me. And then very often he, when he was putting me to bed when I slept over, he would sing me a couple songs, always the same songs. Um, and I treasured that, but it's, it's just interesting that I didn't even really recognize necessarily that this poem was was sad or about the death of a child. I just knew that it evoked emotion in my grandfather. But I don't know what his like specific connection to it was or or why it made him so sad. And I do remember when I was younger because I knew that he had been in the military and the whole like the little toy soldier and stuff so when I was younger I definitely kind of latched on to those words and thought maybe it was you know a military memory or something like that but again I definitely didn't understand that it was a, a child who had died it was what it was really about so yeah and now because I never thought to ask that now I'm sure no one in my family knows yeah, but you get to maybe just create your own reason or connection with it. And yeah. that's just like any kind of poetry, right? There's a lot of room for interpretation, that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some are more um, vague and kind of, you know, more potential meanings than others. Some are pretty direct, but that's 
like many of us, that's my one of my favorite things about lyrics and poems is that however you interpret it, man, like it's not necessarily wrong. It makes right. you feel a certain way and certain areas is probably whole discussions on like this is what this actually means, but ultimately, you know, they're not nobody's ever wrong. Yeah. That's a pretty good one though, and I know spending a lot of time with your grandfather and all that, so being able to have that peace. Yeah. It's nice to you know, anything that evokes a positive memory obviously and especially of loved ones who are no longer here is really nice so to have that and still have that emotional connection feels good yeah um, there's a a lot of songs like that and especially when I think about Amy like Atmosphere is a hip-hop group that one of our favorites but there's a lot of songs specifically from them that every time they come on I'm just like oh man you can't not feel Amy oh yeah I had to have Haley um, turn one off the other day when we were at, um, we went to see Ed Sheeran, for all the listeners out there. Um, we went to an Ed Sheeran concert on Saturday and we were tailgating and uh, we were, you know, putting on different songs and um, Haley put on Atmosphere and I don't even remember what song it was, but I just heard the first couple notes and I was like, I can't, I can't do that right now. I definitely get that. Other times, like, you know, I, I want to put it on just to kind of, not only remember, but like f- f- force through it. Like, okay, I can't, I'm not going to be like devastated every time this comes on. Right. We're yeah. talking about that. That exposure is important. Yeah. It's not like there's a wrong way to do it, but mm. you don't, you don't want to feel like pain every time a song comes on, but certain days, man, it's just going to hit a certain way. I remember Megan saying that to me a couple years ago when there's a shout out Megan. <laughs> One of the most important loves of my life there was a song that came on at a bar and I don't remember what song it was. It might've been um, Luke Bryan drink a beer. And um, it's, it's funny because Amy hated country music. And so she, she wouldn't want a memory tied to country music, but there's a few country songs that, uh, that make me think of her um, that are about loss and stuff. And um, anyways, that song came on and I, and I had a panic attack and had to leave. And I was like, you know, it's, it's helpful to to sit with that and um, you know expose yourself to that song so that you're not breaking down every time it comes on in public because you can't control and there's so many songs that you know especially with Amy her being a music lover and that being a way she connected with every single important person in her life so there's so many songs that will make me think of her songs that I hated and she loved and would force me to listen to songs that we loved together. So, I mean, you know, so it's like just going to walk around in fear of different songs coming on in public because uh, they're going to evoke emotions. And um, I bet the that atmosphere song that came on was the song Flicker. That's probably one of them. Well, it's definitely one of them. Yeah. That's a, what, that's I mean, a one tough of, one to get through. One of my favorites is uh, the, the atmosphere has a song called Yesterday. The lyricist the goes, about his dad, yeah, right? it goes by Slug, and he wrote it about his dad that passed away. But a lot of it is just a lot of parallels and just like that yeah. emotion of like all the things that we could do if you were still here. I mean, even the the hook to that song. I thought I saw you yesterday. Was that you? Look just like you. Strange things my imagination might do. Take a breath, re- reflect on what we've been through. Or am I just going crazy because I miss you? A bunch of cool verses on that, but that's... Yeah, it's a great song. Oh, man, it's beautiful. As soon as the opening uh, piano starts, same thing. I'm just like, that changes my my energy and my body 
instantly. Mm-hmm. I love that and one. And we're going to see Atmosphere, and I'm super fucking pumped. Oh, yeah. They're one of the best live performers. I've been seeing them for years, something me and Amy have been to a lot. Yeah, it's going to be exciting because it's the first time that you and I get to see them together. And yeah. My mom's coming too, man. It's going to be a nice, a nice show going up to Portland, Maine for that one. Yep. And, you know, I... Amy for years tried to get me to like atmosphere and I, I wasn't a fan. I wasn't feeling it. She would show me songs and I'd be like, yeah, I don't know. Just not hitting, just not getting it. Um, and even with the three of us, I remember you and her like, all right, well, Brady will definitely like be into this song and you'd put one on and I'd be like, I just don't get it. And then, uh, over the past few years, I've fallen in love with them and damn it Amy would have loved if we could have <laughs> vibed to atmosphere together and but hey better late than never I guess yeah with that um I want to move on to a, a song by Tool one of my favorites and it's been kind of part of my I don't know my, my kind of like self-care therapeutic sessions of being able to sort through some of this stuff over the last few years so Tool has this song called Jimmy off of their 1996 album Enema and it's essentially we're going to go over the lyrics here but I think it's really just kind of dealing with like your childhood self that is still maybe trapped in certain emotional energies and the adult version of them has to reconcile with that in one way or another someone else that we're going to see again cool yeah going at the end of this year that live performance through the can't really beat it so super unique yeah, never seen anything like it. Yeah, the the light show, the the visuals, man, it's a, a weird visual kind of optical illusion how they make mm-hmm. it 3D in that sense. And, you know, obviously it's 3D when you're watching it in, in person, but the, <laughs> I remember they had this like thin layer, almost like a veil, yeah, like a like half a, semicircle around the stage yeah. that was translucent. You could see through it, but it was also like a, a way for them to use it as a projection screen. Mm-hmm. So. You could st- you could see through that into the band and then they have that screen behind them and it was just I mean the way that they made it seem like like a sphere going in and out yeah it was wild <laughs> all right so tool Jimmy verse one it starts what was it like to see the face of your own stability suddenly look away leaving you with the dead and hopeless 11 she was gone Eleven is when we waved goodbye. Eleven is standing still, waiting for me to free him by coming home. Verse two, moving me with a sound, opening me within a gesture, drawing me down and in, showing me where it all began. Eleven, he was too scarred to realize You were the voice that's been calling me back home. Next verse. Under a dead Ohio sky, Eleven has been and will be waiting, defending his light and wondering, where the hell have I been? Sleeping, lost and numb, I'm so glad that I found you. I am wide awake and heading home. And a bridge. I wish that I could see you, turn and run to play. Dreams are fading, carry my ancient soul, carry me into the light. Aim your body heavenly, enduring a memory, I'll come to your light. 
Hold your light where I can see it. Stay up high. The last verse. Hold your light, eleven. Lead me through each gentle step by step. By inch by loaded memory, I'll move to heal as soon as pain allows so we can reunite and both move on together. Hold your light, eleven. Lead me through each gentle step by step by inch by loaded memory until one and one are one, eleven. So glow, child, glow. I'm heading back home. And that's it for the lyrics, but there's this isn't a traditional like every other line rhymes type thing, but Tool has this kind of signature where they do a lot of weird time signatures in their music and there's a lot of you know just variability from your standard chorus verse chorus verse so a lot of this is how the music incorporates with these lyrics too something that stood out for me is that each verse has it ends with to free him by coming home and just the way that i'd encourage people listening to check this song out man it's one of those that have a lot of subtleties in it and I have my own bias. These little things that come out and, you know, it's different if you have it in headphones compared to, you know, listening on your computer or phone or something like that. But just like each time the the verse ends about like coming home, the first one is almost more like singing in a way where calling out and, and like kind of asking, reaching for help type thing. And the way I interpret it is in the, the next verse, it's more like it was a recognition of it says he was too scarred to realize you were the voice that's been calling me back home feels like the the writer has more of a a vision of like what home is rather than the first one is just like i i need to go somewhere like it's it's um it's hard to pinpoint where it is but i know home like back to your soul back to your center whatever that means the second verse is a little bit more affirmative like okay mm. like you're you're calling me back home to to my center where i need to be and the, the third verse ends, I'm so glad that I found you. I'm wide awake and heading home. And the way mm-hmm. he says it is just like um, certainty. Like I've, yeah, I've made it, yeah. I've identified where I need to be and kind of just collecting all of those pieces and finally coming home. And it doesn't get any more sure than that. Like it's just, it's p- super powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, the the way that the, the music, you know, transitions into that, they do a good job of making the music a lot heavier on certain parts. Mm-hmm. So those that aren't familiar with Tool, it's own category, but sometimes their their music gets really heavy with like, you know, heavy bass and drums, and it's very overpowering for some of the lyrics sometimes. Some of that's intentional in the sense that, you know, the, the, the music and the power is kind of what drives a lot of this stuff, but then the lyrics can get overshadowed unless mm-hmm. you're actually yeah. reading them or you already know what they are. Because like when I listen, there's certain verses and various songs that like you can't you can almost not even hear the lyrics mm-hmm. or they're like indistinguishable there's certain parts where the volume of the lyrics you know goes up and down just because it's like it kind of goes with the energy or intensity of yeah. the, the message conveying behind it so i don't know th- this one's super important for me because as i've talked about before I'd, um, i've had some psychedelic experiences that i've was using as kind of like you know healing from the from losing amy three years ago in february amy died and it was ridiculously hard for all of us but along the way like 
music and certain other self-help books and all of these different things kind of helped me identify some of these emotions I wasn't able to really define and, and get a handle on. So along with that, the, like there was a part of me that um, almost felt trapped because losing somebody that you've known your whole life, a sibling, like there's a piece of you that goes with that. So along those lines, there's a younger kid in me that had a hard time letting Amy go and, you know, obviously the present adult version of me. But under the influence of some of these psychedelics and then along with the, the power of this music, I almost get into this um, different state of mind that helped me see things a little bit differently and actually like feel um, maybe certain emotions or feel a certain way that maybe was unaccessible regularly. So this kind of put it all out in the forefront. On the bridge on this song, there's like, or maybe it's verse four, but the the music gets kind of like almost distorted in this weird like twisting and winding type of way and it gets to the point where it almost feels like it's it's going through like this this murky area and it's kind of like it's that's the part he's saying like hold your light 11 lead me through each gentle step and it's forging you through that that muddy field going through the confusion and, and despair and all of these different things and then that ends with him declaring like I'm coming home like I made it out type thing so it's super trippy when the music again like distorts in a way where it, it brings you into that reality of like uncertainty and it's kind of on that border of like chaos and order type mm -hmm. thing um, and then you know it's a pretty simple metaphor but like the number 11 split in half is like one in one on their own I imagine them kind of like back to back facing away from each other and then like when they reunite, they're this whole number. But um, there, there's part of it too, like it's not too, uh, too much of a metaphor. The, the writer is talking about, um, I think he had, when he was 11 years old, his mom suffered from like a brain hemorrhage or something, or maybe a, something along those lines, a stroke. So I think it left her paralyzed. But so this is for the writer saying like, there's a piece of them that, kind of had to grow up and, and handle all of this stuff at 11 years old and mm. you know he talks about uh under a dead ohio sky 11 has been and still is waiting so like ohio is where this all happened and when they grew up but then um you know reuniting with that version that's kind of trapped what, what does he say the um yeah 11 is like they, they capitalize it in here because like that's just the character in the song's name but he's like he he, he has been and will be waiting defending his light and wondering where the hell have I been so like defending his light like you know just doing what you got to do to survive and, and, and cultivate that safety that you need as a kid and as we talked about in a lot of other podcasts like that's sometimes or I say very often like faulty ways of building up these mechanisms for safety or security that you do as a child just for kind of surviving the situation and um, doing what you got to do to get through but then you build all these other mechanisms on that and it's not a super stable structure so mm -hmm. you know imagine that that version that little kid kind of waiting for somebody to come and rescue them or at least just tell them like hey it's not that bad and like mm -hmm. we're, we're here lead me through each gentle step by step by inch by loaded memory I'll move to heal as soon as pain allows so we can reunite and both move on together 
it's pretty straightforward in that part like you have you have to actively seek out like that version or like that that piece of yourself that that's trapped back there so this is you know something that is very is not uncommon in, in therapy where people might actually verbally talk to their younger version but obviously that has to be cultivated in a safe setting where you can emotionally access some of this stuff and maybe for certain people like you have to we have to do a lot of work to get to that point first but it's um it can be freeing if it's you know if it works out as intended where you know your your adult version is going back and pulling this kid forward and like hey look we're we're the same thing we're a piece of each other here and I need you to make me whole and and just like you needed somebody at the time like it's almost like an imaginary time travel thing where I'm going back and you know rescuing that that 11 year old and saying like okay like it's you're safe now and we're trying to form it into just a steady timeline of a semi-stable you know identity right so I don't know even just um, talking about like memories of a traumatic childhood are often repressed and then any thoughts about them become a source of distress obviously it's something that we avoid and figure out ways around but then like because of this split like the past self and the present self can that they feel like storing memories of two different people so like you know you could imagine like the the chaos that comes up in different aspects of life when you're managing like two personalities or shutting out one that's trying to express itself and it it doesn't know how type thing we we're talking about this with aunt robin a few weeks ago like there's versions of ourself where you know it kind of gets in the back of the line like it's not something that gets expressed and mm -hmm. that can ultimately lead to other maybe just distresses or ailments in your body and all these different things so obviously there's not like a there's no easy way out of that a necessary process in unifying the two broken cells back into a single whole so you know they do that pretty clearly in this song with like one and one are now one So that's pretty much all I have for that one. There's there's another tool song that I wanted to go over, but then I wanted to see if uh, between that you have uh, you have another poem on deck. So this is the one, and this is a poem by a gentleman named John Rodell R O E D E L. And when I was looking at it earlier, I realized that I have a handful of poems saved by him. I don't know what the name of this poem is, but it's nice. Okay. My brain and heart divorced a decade ago over who was to blame about how big of a mess I have become. Eventually, they couldn't be in the same room with each other. Now my head and heart share custody of me. I stay with my brain during the week and my heart gets me on weekends. They never speak to one another. Instead, they give me the same note to pass to each other every week and their notes they send to one another always says the same thing. This is all your fault. On Sundays, my heart complains about how my head has let me down in the past, and on Wednesday, my head lists all of the times my heart has screwed things up for me in the future. They blame each other for the state of my life. There's been a lot of yelling and crying, so lately, I've been spending a lot of time with my gut, who serves as my unofficial therapist. Most nights, I sneak out of the window in my rib cage and slide down my spine and collapse on my gut's plush leather chair that's always open for me. And I just sit 
sit, sit, sit until the sun comes up. Last evening, my gut asked me if I was having a hard time being caught between my heart and my head. I nodded. I said I didn't know if I could live with either of them anymore. My heart is always sad about something that happened yesterday, while my head is always worried about something that may happen tomorrow, I lamented. My gut squeezed my hand. I just can't live with my mistakes of the past or my anxiety about the future, I sighed. My gut smiled and said, in that case, you should go stay with your lungs for a while. I was confused, and the look on my face gave it away. If you're exhausted about your heart's obsession with the fixed past and your mind's focus on the uncertain future, your lungs are the perfect place for you. There is no yesterday in your lungs. There is no tomorrow there either. There is only now. There is only inhale. There is only exhale. There is only this moment. There is only breath. And in that breath, you can rest while your heart and head work their relationship out. This morning, while my brain was busy reading tea leaves, and while my heart was staring at old photographs, I packed a little bag and walked to the door of my lungs. Before I could even knock, she opened the door with a smile, and as a gust of air embraced me, she said, What took you so long? Love that. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Well, and just that, that the whole notion of a lot of meditations are based around the breath, and this mm-hmm. kind of alludes to that same thing, is that like that's the place to go to just get back to now and um who's the author again john rodell you said you couldn't find the title specifically no it's not listed on here yeah that's amazing that's a good one yeah hopefully everybody can relate to that one that's something we all deal with for sure the head and the heart right exactly and you know it's one of the nice things that uh facebook is good for is i've found a lot of really great poetry and stuff through that yeah, that's a great one, man. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. That's something I'm going to go back to. A nice short story poem to remind right. you, like, yo, come back to now. Yeah, back to that breath. Meditation is seemingly such a simple thing, right? But even just carving out the time, like, we, we figure out ways to avoid it. Every day. Just like any exercise or practice, like, that's not something that we just get good at. And a lot of us are just like, oh, I'm not a meditator, but you got to start somewhere. You do some walking meditations and guided meditation specifically just feeling the gravity feel the stillness a lot of that stuff well i'd encourage anybody who has might be interested in meditation but doesn't know where to start find a guided meditation that can give you better words or images to focus on or think about because if we're coming from a spot where we're super busy all the time like maybe our minds aren't able to necessarily just calm down without that extra help so Mm. i found a lot of benefit in that stuff because you know, sure, you can just do the, the breath practice, but other times too, like a walking meditation and mindfulness is really observing and just trying yeah. to get in that habit of, ah, that too, as Ram Dass would say, you know, mm-hmm. just, and so that, oh, and that, recognizing these things and over time, for some of us, the goal would be to put a little layer between that observation and initial automatic response. Response, yeah. And I, you know, I think, so often people are just so intimidated by the word meditation and what they perceive that that entails so you know you speaking about that just some mindfulness I think you know anyone anyone can do that anyone can practice mindfulness right just taking 30 seconds to pay attention to 
what's around you, you know, touch, taste, smell, whatever. And it's interesting because I know I've said it. I just wish I could quiet my mind, right? I wish I could stop these thoughts. I wish I could shut these down. And yet there's like this comfort in in obsessing about whatever thoughts are swirling around in your head. And it's interesting that it's interesting to me that although I found great success in mindfulness and meditation and then having not really invested time in it over the past year maybe and like actively avoiding it, like the opportunity is here. I've even put it on my calendar but not committed to it. And instead, like I'm so addicted to this feeling of these stressful thoughts taking over my brain where I've been feeling very overwhelmed and overworked lost a little bit and so it's interesting that I actively avoid taking that time like oh no I don't want to sit and just be quiet with my thoughts like I want to just hold on to this stress and anxiety of whatever is weighing me down I'm with you and you know you're not a lot of us think that we're doing something wrong and like you said like meditation is defined in a certain way where you get to figure out what that means to you and everybody's going to come up with their own goal or reason for doing it but there's the notion of stopping thoughts like that's not how it works anyway right you can even just sit around and even thinking about the idea of of like what are thoughts these just seemingly pop in just spontaneously and then they they vanish but you know we we get addicted to identifying them and starting to chase down that thought Mm -hmm. and then turning it into this potentially identity or all these different things to keep us distracted but thought thinking is happening to us thoughts are just coming in so it's hard to say that it doesn't seem that we would ever be able to get to turn them off what we try to work on is that response and I want to just get better at noticing oh that too that's a thought obviously we know we don't consciously do that like I'm going to decide that this is me but by default that's what happens until we start to get a little space between there and then Mm -hmm. wouldn't it be nice to choose our emotions we know that that's not the the way things work either but we could be a little bit more mindful and with that little break in between it sounds good on paper but over time like I definitely think that that's possible and we can get closer to that just different mindfulness stuff is great man and it's a never-ending thing it's a practice so I'm I'm gonna uh, do one more song from Tool here but um, a few weeks ago we were just talking about general society social things current events but Coming down to the idea of as people and as communities, we, we have a habit of putting everything in a binary state of like a zero or one or Democrat, Republican or black and white or just like positive, negative. And sure, many of that stuff's true. And we have to create these concepts to kind of make things easier because you can't think about how difficult and challenging and time consuming it is to like really take look at another person and take like the totality of that human into consideration rather than like oh this person's a republican i have an idea of what they're about i want to put them in a box type thing right so um i remember we started talking about some of that stuff but then it comes down to if we're putting people in the categories then it's automatically like maybe us versus them or um, looking at somebody as the other rather than somebody that's on your team and you know over time we've we've had to do that as humans collectively for like you know safety and I could even imagine a long time ago that there obviously were threats to your tribe and food and 
wildlife and just nature what like you know isn't necessarily on our side in that sense so if we have to build protection and separate ourselves from the elements and other animals and stuff so with all of that it's kind of leads me into this song by tool called right in two this is off of their album Ten Thousand days and this is one that like i didn't even get into until like a few years ago it's, it's towards the end of the album and it has a lot of other tracks that might kind of overpower this one but um i found it very relevant to some of the stuff we were talking about i'm going to read through it here and then i'll talk about some of the different parts of the lyrics that stand out to me tool right in two angels on the sideline puzzled and amused why did father give these humans free will now they're all confused don't these talking monkeys know that eden has enough to go around plenty in this holy garden silly monkeys where there's one you're bound to divide it right in two angels on the sideline baffled and confused father blessed them all with reason and this is what they choose monkey killing monkey killing monkey over pieces of the ground silly monkeys give them thumbs they forge a blade and where there's one they're bound to divide it right in two and he repeats right in two a couple times monkey killing monkey killing monkey over pieces of the ground silly monkeys give them thumbs they make a club to beat their brother down how they've survived so misguided is a mystery repugnant is a creature who would squander the ability to lift an eye to heaven conscious of his fleeting time here gotta divide it all right in two fight till they die over sun over sky they fight till they die over sea over air they fight till they die over blood over love fight till they die over words polarizing angels on the sideline again benched along with patience and reason angels on the sideline again wondering where this tug of war will end gotta divide it all right in two right in two so this that's the end of that one but there's a, a so much with how he uses his vocals along with the music in this song that make this a lot more powerful and rather than it's sounding all boring when I read it. <laughs> I think that this one particularly has to be listened to, you know, put on some good headphones. It's it's a longer song, but there's so much to do with like, the instrumental music part of this. Yeah. Again, we, we talk about um, all of those things we were discussing earlier about how we put each other in boxes and this and that. But essentially, it comes down to us evolutionarily still having that kind of primate mammal aspect to us that that monkey mind as we've heard it put before where we like to think that collectively we're super advanced but there's still so much of our behavior that is tied to what you know what seems like our evolution and coming from these these small tribes and protection and stuff so i like this perspective that the the writer uses of like 
angels looking over as like this kind of a overarching view of getting to kind of see the, the whole thing unfold along with the, the lines of evolution. In certain cases, we still kind of act like monkeys protecting um, things that we just like these concepts and, and ideas that we've made up. But the fact that it gets to the point where we're killing each other over, you know, a pieces of, of the ground, like it's pretty straightforward in that one. I, I liked how they incorporated like, the Holy Garden of Eden. If you sit, if we sit down and we're like here present right now, every, everything is fine for the most part. Just take a couple breaths and like we're fine. Everybody has responsibilities and our own battles going on. But the idea that Eden is here whenever we want to look at it type thing is can take some work to get back into that mind state, right? That like, this is, we're we're in the blessed opportunity here. And um, I like that, you know, the writer used, give them thumbs. Having the thumb is one of the things that separates us from from primates in the sense of being able to build and use tools and stuff like that. We're we're given the ability to make these tools and what did we do with them? You know, we, we decided to divide us and beat each other down and use it to harm. And, you know, that's not to say that like we didn't need that to be able to advance and kind of um, evolve and be, be able to outsmart a lot of other animals just because of our ability to kind of work together like that. Um, but about this one, specifically with the music after verse two, it's it's almost like a three or four minute instrumental break, but it, after like this weird guitar riff sound, it, it almost, it fades out and then just starts again with like simple little drumming. And it almost sounds like somebody just kind of drumming with sticks on a log or something and it almost evokes that image of the uh maybe undeveloped human or earlier on just the basic kind of music was just either vocals and drums and banging on some rocks or some trees or something that goes on for a little bit and the 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 drums get a little bit more organized and patterned and sophisticated and then it progresses almost into like a kind of more like industrial sound where it's almost like the uh, a timeline of humans progressing to you know start creating industry and more organization in that sense and then like the, the way the instrumentals end it's like super powerful and almost rapid fire and uh, I mean it almost might sound like weapons going off or bombs or something so it gets super heavy and really impactful like that and that to me represents that part of like we we got more civilized and and collected but then we're still fighting for space and and land and stuff like that and then it gets to the point of of war and dropping bombs on each other and it's just really powerful with the, the different tempos and timing and volume changes like all of these little things make it so much different but this is uh one of those songs that stood out for me is just I don't, it's timeless in the sense that like it it talks about things of human nature that are seemingly never going to go anywhere. So it's not, it's not super relevant to like a a specific timeline, but it touches on that stuff of like, you know, we're getting more advanced seemingly, but we still have these kind of uncontrollable urges or just like the desire to separate and divide things right into. So it's one of my favorite songs on here. There's a bridge where, they talk about it's like fight till they die over sun over sky it's super hard to hear in that part of the song unless like you know that it's there but i think um just the fact that it starts off talking about sun and sky basic elements and resources like that sea and air 
and then it moves on to blood and love family and you know emotional stuff like that and bonds so it's it's kind of progressed from just your basic survival stuff of nature and external to the emotional part of like why many of us have these connections and the the reason why life can be valuable for many of us is just you know the interaction between people the last line is they fight until they die over words polarizing so now we're just fighting over concepts and images and many times people have different meanings of what the same word is now we're fighting over things that don't have a definitive it's not the sun it's not water it's something that we're fighting over ideas obviously the word polarizing keeps us on those two opposite ends so we almost don't want to see the other person's point of view because whether it's that part of pride or ego that comes in that that separation which is necessary in nature to protect us right but if it gets over the line of now I'm not um not seeing my fellow man as the the human and all-encompassing aspects of them then we're fighting over words that are just polarizing us and keeping us at these ends rather than seeing the stuff that connects us I've talked a lot about this song with you before and I know that even for some of my friends out there I'll, I'll send them these verses and stuff well it makes such a difference like well, nobody asked for it that's what I'm saying is it's like I apologize <laughs> for my friends I just sent them like a long copy text of, of these things but sometimes it's just it's so powerful that you know I, oh, I want to hear what this person thinks about it yeah. but also too like you send somebody a song they're not necessarily going to listen to it right there but I think like you know we can take 60 seconds or whatever to like read some of this and if it's intriguing then it's like oh let me go listen to that later well, and, you, and, and with tools specifically, like you, you have to, like, you know, there's, there's tool songs that are on the radio. I, I knew of tool. I liked some of their songs, but certainly didn't, um, understand the complexity of their, their poetry until you started showing me lyrics and, you know, we'd be listening to a song and it would be a song I already know. I've listened to it a few times, whatever. But then you'd you'd be like, no, but wait, <laughs> you pull up these lyrics. I, you know, you got to read these, and it would just take on an entirely new meaning and, and feeling. So, I mean, I don't know if I've read tool lyrics that I wasn't like, holy shit, that's some fucking intense poetry right there. Well, it's the same for me. Like when I was, you know, in the '90s, I had to recognize a few of their songs. Again, like there's parts of the lyrics that are almost indiscernible when you're listening to it. It's super powerful. And to think that there's s such lyrics that are like tied into music that almost seems out of place at first. But then when you get like the gravity yeah. and the heaviness of the lyrics, it's like, oh, no wonder they're sound like it sounds like a metal band. Talk about like life and death and all of this stuff without some kind of heavy background <laughs> so that that's the way i perceive like why some of this stuff is that way but i know like that song schism is a tool song that's been on the radio mm -hmm. miscommunication between people and how that naturally decays relationships and stuff talking about stuff that every single one of us deals with in one way or another whether that's w with a, a partner an intimate relationship or even just you know the the division in ourselves sometimes What else? You got one more? If not, I got I got one we'll wrap it up with. Mm, what is it? Is it another Tool song? No, I'm done with Tool for now. <laughs> for now. What? 
This is one that the short story writers, William Saroyan, S-A-R-O-Y-A-N, Armenian-American novelist, playwright, and short story writer. This is from a, a play, an excerpt. It's called The Time of Your Life. In the time of your life, live, so that in that good time there shall be no ugliness or death for yourself or for any life your life touches. Seek goodness everywhere, and when it is found, bring it out of its hiding place, and let it be free and unashamed. Place in matter and in flesh the least of the values, for these are the things that hold death and must pass away. Discover in all things that which shines and is beyond corruption. Encourage virtue in whatever heart it may have been driven into secrecy and sorrow by the shame and terror of the world. Ignore the obvious, for it is unworthy of the clear eye and the kindly heart. Be the inferior of no man, nor of any man be the superior. Remember that every man is a variation of yourself. No man's guilt is not yours, nor is any man's innocence a thing apart. Despise evil and ungodliness, but not men of ungodliness or evil. These understand. Have no shame in being kindly and gentle, but if the time comes in the time of your life to kill, kill and have no regret. In the time of your life, live, so that in that wondrous time you shall not add to the misery and sorrow of the world, but shall smile to the infinite delight and mystery of it. That's it for that one. Beautiful. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. You got anything else on there? save it all right we'll save it for another time this was definitely cool man i'm glad that we sat down and i appreciate you being so gracious with your time here <laughs> right back at you check us out on the next episode but for now we're wrapping this one up love you brandy love you and thanks everybody for listening take care thanks for listening to this episode of dan's den don't forget to follow and turn on notifications so you don't miss our latest releases if you enjoyed this conversation please share it also check out our other episodes and thanks again for listening we'll see you next time. 